And welcome everybody to Time and Relative Opinions in Space. I'm here with uh, my companion in time, Sean Campbell, and we're still meandering in 2005 where we're reviewing Doctor Who. How's it going, Sean? It's going really well, thank you, Carl. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. It's nice and warm again. I don't know if you had any rain where you are, but the last couple of days we've had uh, quite a lot of it. In the middle, oh yes, it came down. I felt awful as well. I was at this wedding, and of course, it had been sunny all week. And then on their actual wedding day, they teamed down the rain. Oh dear, but that's not the best. <laughs> so we're here to and to review um, episodes four and five, Aliens of London and World War Three. So. Um, Quite a good episode, although I'm not too fussed on the uh, the monsters in this this double episode, personally, but we'll get into that as we go along. You ready to get stuck in? Oh, yes. So we have Dr. and Rose landing back in London, present day, or present day for the time, anyway, and... Um, Doctor tells Rose, well, we've only been gone 12 hours, so no one should have missed you too much. And she races home to see her mum. And as she's racing home, we cut away to the doctor. I think, does he see a, a missing girl poster? Is that what uh Yeah, he noticed a poster, and he, he goes over to it. And uh, have you seen this girl? She's been missing for 12 months. <laughs> so... Uh, He's slightly miscalculated, as he does. It's been known to happen. <laughs> so uh, he obviously runs to try and catch Rose before she gets to her mum, but he, he's obviously too late, and Rose gets home. She's all lardy-da, because she, to her, she's only been away 12 hours, not 12 months. So... <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you imagine, like... Someone's been missed, like someone, obviously, like your child has been missing for 12 months, and then they just walk in like nothing. Yeah, yeah. You just, I don't know how you'd explain that shit, to be honest. Well, they don't, do they? They have a job. Well, no, she (laughs) doesn't, but I mean, it's just, you're there, like, hey, like, I've never been gone, and they're like, what's he doing a year? Yeah. And bear in mind as well, this Rose went missing on the same night as the Auton attack as well. So, like, <laughs> while Jackie's reaction is, like, played for comedy and that you get the policeman after the opening yeah. credits, it's absolutely justified, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. It's, uh... It's, um... It, it would be horrendous, to be honest. Absolutely. Because most people who are missing that long, they never turn up. Yeah, well, yeah. But we won't go into uh, morbid stuff like that. No, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but yeah, the doctor turns up um, at the house. He gets a nice slap off Jackie, doesn't he? 
<laughs> the first in a long line of players yes. who slapped the tactic. I would say I would say this one's well deserved, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the doctor just casually playing God with people's lives. Mm. Like, oh yeah, I'll just take this person away for a year and it won't matter. <laughs> well, to be fair to him, we did think he was bringing a um, twelve hours later. But even so, in their in their time, they're still going through that. No matter what time he brings her back to, to be honest, there's you know there's going to be an alternative timeline where they're missing and searching for Rose. It's true enough. There's a very nice like sort of. Emotional scene with Jackie and Rose, where Jackie's like, "But you can, you know, you can't tell me. Why can't you tell me?" And Rose yeah, is just like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Rose just starts thinking, "Well, I can't tell you because there's no way you'd believe me, and you just think I was taking a piss." So <laughs> it is weird because what what are you gonna think if she won't tell you what's going on? It, it it's very sort of shady, isn't it? To be honest, yeah. Oh yeah. It's almost like she's run away and married this much older man, isn't it? I mean, that's the that's probably the conclusion she'd start jumping to. Oh, yeah. Well, they've been living a life of crime. <laughs> life of glamour and crime. <laughs> and then they're on the roof afterwards, aren't yes, they? Yes, they are, yeah. And um, they're having a bit of a chat. He admits that he's uh, 900 years old. First reference of his age. Yes. And I know in the classic series, his age was, um, he's a, like it was given and he was older than this, but it changed a lot as well. Yeah. And even it in did. the, in the Stephen Moffat series as well, like, uh, his age became less of a thing, but during like the Russell T Davis, yes, his age was very much a fixed, uh, a fixed number and it would, it would go up in years. But it's as stupid, so as stupid as that sounds mm. to say, but like, but he's lived so long and he's changed bodies and I think it does alter his mind as well. So maybe he doesn't even really know how old he is at this point. I mean, that is a distinct possibility. Well, there is that. If you, if you how do you keep time? track? Yeah, uh, yeah you travel in time. And how do you keep track of that many years? I also wonder if, like, it's an interesting question, but I mean, and, uh, like, like, what is it? What's a year on Gallifrey if that's what you measure it in? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. He might only be five. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's definitely, like, if you think about it, he, he rattles through his regenerations much quicker than your average Time Lord. Like, he binges them comparatively. Yeah, that's true. But I suppose that's for TV. You don't want a yeah. whole season of him just uh, regenerating. Forgot but the words there. The, uh, there's also this, the part in this episode where, um, the doctor says Rose. Uh, the, so Rose calls the doctor very gay because of his reaction to the slap, being slapped by Jackie, and it apparently caused a bit of a stir at the time. Oh, I don't remember. Nah, I mean I say a bit of a stir, it's probably just a few people, but uh, I mean just for the record, I mean Russell T Davis wrote it. Russell T Davis is is gay himself, and he's you know he has like gay characters in his shows like. Later on, with Captain Jack turns up, that's all. It doesn't bother me, for the record. Yeah, well, Captain Jack isn't really gay, though, is he? He's more of, I don't know what the right word is, pansexual. He'll sort of yeah. have anything that, anything yeah, that moves, basically, won't he? Omnisexual. But yeah, that's fair. Right. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it, because Jack's a great character. Yes. That's for well, the weeks to come. It is. Well, a great moment happens next. Yeah. 
Rose's giving this and like, oh, it's so sad because I can't talk to aliens about anyone because no one understands. And then right as she's just talking, the alien yes. ship flies overhead. Uh, crash landing into Big Ben and then into the Thames, which is obviously going to cause quite a stir. Yeah, I mean, this is an example of me of using a like using a budget to enhance a show. If you know what I mean, like using it to yeah to it because this adds the spectacle of the alien ship flying over and then hitting Big Ben and crashing into the Thames, and it's still a great looking like thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The CG hasn't aged. Like tremendously, it's, but it's I don't just, think it's. It look I, don't think it looks, I don't think it looks too bad. Actually, it's one of the best looking uh, special effects shots in the in the episode, and it's yeah, not I mean, just there for like a Michael Bay thing. Just the spectacle it actually it's actually worked into the plot and story as well. Yeah, and I mean thinking about that as well, I think that's one of the things with them. You see, at the end of the world, the second episode in the first season. Not that I minded it, but I feel like you. I felt like a lot of the budget on that episode was kind of just like it was done just to like show what they could do, special effects and costumes wise, rather than actually rather than doing it to add to the story. And not that I didn't mind, not that I didn't like uh, the end of the world, but I felt like there was a lot of that in where it was just sort of a like big spectacle and CGI for the um, sake of it. I don't know. I'm not too sure on that. I think most of it did add something to the story. But uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll plod on. We shall. As, as usual, the Doctor is loving uh, this catastrophe and uh, what's going on. He, he likes the drama and uh, these things happening. Trying, going, yeah. They what try and get it? down there, don't they? Pretty much straight away, but... The military are already there. I mean, the military mobilised pretty quick. They get there they? really fast. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The military mobilised really fast as well. But um, there's a great bit when Rose is talking to the doctor about it. She says, do you know this was going to happen? She goes, nope. <laughs> do you recognise the spaceship? Nope. Do you know why it crashed? Nope. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, because he can't get near it. Well, let's do what everyone else does. And he says, what's that? Watch it on TV. <laughs> oh, it's worth mentioning as well, Bad Wolf in this episode uh, on the side of the TARDIS. Skimmed ah, yeah, over the graffiti, story, isn't it? Yeah. Keeping an eye on the Bad Wolf mentions. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the first appearance of Trinity Wales. Well, Trinity Wales is the American newsreader. Oh right, yes. Various different things. She has an actual name. She's credited to it, but te- te- technically, I think in season one, she's just credited as American News Reader. But uh, Russell T. Davis talked about wanting, uh, basically, just feeling bad because the same actress would turn up and do a great job with this American News Reader, and he thought, well, she deserves a name. So then he just starts to credit her. I think it might be the Christmas Invasion where she's first credited. Like that guy could be making that up. Yeah. And we also get uh, proper news readers that we see. Doing our proper news as well, which adds a bit of realism to the British audience as well, which I quite like. Yeah. I thought I recognised him at first, and then when I was looking stuff up for this episode, it said it was Andrew Moore, and I was like, oh, yeah. And you'll see you'll see more as, um, which I, I as like the series goes on as well. When like so corporations use the things they have, if that makes sense. So, like, um, when Sony do, when Sony made Into the Spider-Verse, they had, like, a... The 
Spider-Man PS4 suit from the game because they own that IP and it's like well why not and in a similar vein but like I like how in Doctor Who when the news is on they use BBC News like, well why not I mean, yeah, it's, exactly. it's part of the BBC it makes everything more, more. It, it looks real because it is real because it's the BBC News so uh, the, the reports on the news uh, there's been a body found in the uh, crashed spaceship which they've uh, got out and they're taking to a secure mortuary uh, obviously they're not going to tell you where that is yeah I'll be in hospital though is where it is but it's um, and that'll appear later on as well but it's, um, it's also I like the doctor looking around in amazement at everybody like just sort yeah. of chatting while um, history's happening and then the child runs in and changes it to Blue Peter, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's already making some sort of alien cake or something. Yeah, right? oh yeah. <laughs> so they weren't wasting any time either jumping on the uh, alien bandwagon. Blue Peter ran on the conspiracy. But we see, uh, we see a top general arrive at the, uh, the mortuary, don't we, to observe the alien body for himself. He advises yes. the uh, the female doctor there to get it out of sight until experts note. have flown in. Quick note about this female doctor. It's the second Torchwood actress in as many episodes to appear. She, she, she is that one from Torchwood, is she? I, I, was, I wasn't yes. 100% sure, but I did, I did wonder to myself. That is her. But this is the thing. Unlike um, Eve Miles, I believe she's called, who was in the last episode, she is actually playing the character of T- Toshiko Sato here. Ah, right. That's established later on in Torchwood. Even though she, she's their technician, not their doctor, it was Owen Harper, who's Torchwood's doctor's first day on uh, on this in, in the story, and he was hungover. So she covered for him. Ah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's just a, it's a nice little nod. Yeah, the I forget the actor's name, but the actor who plays the general is one of those actors that Pops up in all sorts of things. He's been in Game of Thrones lately, and lots of other, yeah, lots of other British. I never, films I never knew and, that truthfully. I didn't know he was in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's in quite a lot of stuff. Sort of plays plays the type, you know, the sort of snobbish British person, but he does play it pretty well. To be fair to him, yeah, is he kind of like a typecast guy, like how um. Clancy Brown usually ends up playing the military general in like, most yeah, yeah. American TV shows. But you know, when you play a part well and you get the money. But we, yeah, um, I'm sure he's not complaining. <laughs> but we arrive at um, number 10 Dining Street and we see, uh, I, think, I imagine this is a made up position, the MP for something like transport of sugar and confectionery and something, something. It's quite a long title isn't it I, I, I yeah, remember I, to write it down it's quite quite funny and I, the I, monitoring I, of sugar standards in uh, like exported yeah I, I can't imagine that's a rule at and least andrew, not at least not an mp's rule yeah <laughs> andrew Marr quips hardly the most important person in these circumstances yeah the bbc would not be allowed to say that about an mp would they like, <laughs> like, no, like the BBC in real life could just go out. <laughs> and he's somehow, I forgot his first name, but he's somebody green, isn't he? Joseph Green, MP That's for Hot Dale. He's, he's quite a character. 
in his find out he's acting prime minister at the time as well. Yeah, yeah, he's because uh, he can't find the actual prime minister. Nobody seems to know where he is. He he's made emergency prime minister. It's a strange one, isn't it? Would they really make such an obscure little known MP as a but emergency I, prime minister? But maybe he I would because also no one would think to assassinate somebody like that. I suppose. I think it's also implied that um, the rest of the cabinets. Uh, aren't are outside of London and can't mm. get into it. So I think it's like, well, and later on, the, the general guy says, you're only prime minister by default. So I think it's implied that he, he's only prime minister because there is literally no one else who can. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I never put that into consideration. That's uh, that's a good point, actually. But one but MP I think there's a... Go on. is Harriet Jones, yes, MP so Bydale North. I was about to get to that. Yeah, she becomes a, a recurring character in uh, future episodes and, and series, doesn't she? She does that, yes. See her at least twice more. And she's referenced a couple of times as well. But there's a great bit where um, she says she had an appointment at 3.15 and then the secretary says, yes, and then a spaceship crashed in the middle of London. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you've got to sort of prioritise a little bit. Yeah. I'm not saying what she wants to... Tell the prime minister isn't important, but you know, an alien invasion. You've got to sort of. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some rejigging in the schedule. Yeah, yeah. But this expect- is, this is it though, Carl. This is the device. The decide. Dis- I don't know. I can't think of the word. But it's the yeah, first no. of the fart jokes, Carl. Yes. It's. Uh... How do you feel bit. about the fart jokes, Carl? I think they're a bit silly. And I did at the time because I was already a grown man of 25 in 2005, unfortunately, when I was watching this. But I imagine if you were whatever age you were watching it, six or seven, Eight. you'd have found it hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I found it hilarious. You know, I wasn't breaking my, you know, I wasn't splitting my sides over it. But I'd be lying if I said at the time... I didn't find it a little bit funny. And as such, I, mean, I still find it kind of nostalgically funny. <laughs> like, I know objectively it's stupid, but, you know. <laughs> there, is a re- there is a reason given for it, but I still, I still don't like it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it does, it sounds stupid, but it does also, it, it serves a purpose as well. It lets you know which one of the, uh, like which person is masquerading as a, as an alien, so at least it's it's not just there for the sake of it. It does also serve a purpose in the story. But... Yeah, but there's another thing that gives them away as well, really. That's the fact they're all quite bigger people. I yeah. think the general's the only only larger person that isn't an alien to start off with, but then there's a a reason for that as well. Yeah, that's which true, we'll actually. get in, which we'll get into. Makes you think, because. Uh, Boris is a larger gentleman, isn't he? You don't, you don't think. To be honest, I'd find that more reassuring. <laughs> if, the re- if the reason was because there was some big alien conspiracy, not like, oh god, this is actually the best he can do. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably better not get into politics. But yeah, the the theory is the prime minister was in his car and has disappeared somewhere, and nobody knows where he is. And. Uh, we see the the three, three of the MPs 
um, go up into their sort of conference Mar- room. Margaret Blaine, I think she's called. Yeah. She's, I don't know the name of the other one. Oliver something, I think. Yeah. but Margaret, well, I think it looks she, a bit like John Prescott, but never mind. <laughs> she pops um, up in another episode as well. Yes. She? So she, her name's worth remembering, yes. Um, and they just, well, laugh. <laughs> they don't seem at all concerned, which is very strange. I quite like the laugh. I think it's it's oh, cheesy. Yeah. But it's cheesy in the right way. Like <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not saying that I don't like it. I'm just saying that when they're behind closed doors, I find in this whole situation very humorous. Which obviously is another little key to tell you that there's something not yes. quite right with these three. The um. The emergency protocols I mentioned in this, and I, I like the idea of the emergency protocols in the Doctor Who universe. It makes sense that governments have a plan for oh, yeah. a, alien Definitely. incursion, even if it isn't a very good plan, as we find out later. But you know, it's still, it's still something. Yeah, and um, Rose is asking the Doctor if he's going to interfere in uh, what's happening, and he said, "No, no, that's uh, you know, pretty much." Perfect crash landing. This could be your first contact with aliens. So, no, I'm not going to interfere. We all know that's a lie, but uh, that's what he tells Rose anyway. I wonder why he didn't want Rose to come with him there as well. Don't know. Kind maybe. Of my mind. Maybe he just wants him to spend. Maybe he just wants her to spend some time with him. Yeah, or, maybe because uh, she's been away from her mum a year. He probably decides perhaps it's best, to, but. She's worried he's just going to up and leave without her, so he gives her the tar- her own TARDIS key. Yes, this is another thing that becomes reoccurring, and it's always a bit, it's always a big moment yeah. in the show when it happens. Like, and the TARDIS like, key becomes yeah. quite an important plot device uh, in a future as, episode as well. Yes, and uh, as in real life, to be fair, of course, it's it, it's a relatable thing. You know, you give someone yeah. a key to your home. It is a big thing, you know, so... And then we see uh, Mickey for the first time this episode, I think. And he's watching out. He sees the TARDIS, so he he runs out, doesn't he, to try and catch the Doctor. But he gets there. He gets there just as the TARDIS disappears, and he collides into some corrugated steel, doesn't he? That's quite funny. Yeah, he's quite good at playing the buffoon, isn't he? He is. He's Mickey's. I think I've realised when I've been. Sort of making notes on the episodes as well. How much of how much I really like Mickey's character, and he has a great character arc. I'll talk about him more towards the end of the episode because that's yeah. relevant. But yeah, I really like Mickey. It's just really funny to watch him run into a wall as well. <laughs> like, yeah. he get a kick out of it. Boom. So we've got um, go back to Harriet Jones. She's absolutely desperate to see the PM, and she's bugging that. Um, Secretary, she makes him a cup of tea, doesn't she, or coffee? And he's like, "You're still not getting in to see him." Yeah. And then uh, the PM comes out with his uh, two cohorts, and she's like, in his face, with a, a thing about cottage cottage hospitals and how she can save them money and whatnot. And he's less than impressed. I, I'm going to look up his name quickly, but the guy who plays Josh Green, you can tell, is having a really good, like, he's having a lot of fun. He is, uh, isn't he? Yeah. With that character, like his facial expressions while Harriet's rambling on at him uh, are great. And then I his outfits are get some perspective, woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's a lot I, of fun. 
I don't remember him from much else, but he is he is really good in this. You're right. Then of course, yeah, yeah, he has a like. I mean, let me say again, he's cheesy, but he's cheesy in all of the right ways. Yes, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. He's sort of hamming it up, but yes, uh, absolutely. I yeah. think you've got to with uh, with this uh, with this particular role. But yeah, when everyone's not looking, Harriet slips into the conference room to put a. What, do you, what, what would you call it? Uh, what, I've lost the word. Uh, I guess it's like her just report. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's going to sound stupid, but it's almost an essay, I suppose. But it, it's an essay with a purpose. It'll be, you know, informing why cottage hospitals can work, I guess. I don't know. But... <laughs> I think it was a pressing issue at the time, actually. A lot of cottage hospitals were closing down and leaving, you know, smaller towns like my, mine. I've got a small town, which only has a small cottage hospital without anywhere for people to go for accidents and uh, emergencies and stuff. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. She was going to leave it on this briefcase, and then she opens this briefcase, which I'd have thought would be locked, but, you know, we have plot devices and all that. And, uh, of course, she starts looking through well, the... I mean, to be fair, as well, just for the record, it's also the aliens who were last using them, so, you know, they don't, they have no interest in them, really. So. No, true enough. So she starts uh, having a butchers at the uh, top secret uh, alien protocols. And apparently, just for the record, he's called David uh, Very. Oh, right. He's, uh, he's not in much, but God bless him, he's really good fun in this. Yeah, so. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't get more work from, from this performance, to be honest. He's spot on. But, yeah, we'll start yeah. the David Berry fan club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, back to the mortuary, and um, there's some strange noises, which is uh, concerning the the female doctor uh, who you gave a name to, which I've already forgotten. Toshiko Sato, and it's for the record, her name, she's never named in this. She's no, just, no, she isn't. She's just medical doctor, I believe she'd be credited or something like that. But it's later on in Torchwood you find out her name. Another another little funny bit in this episode is the doctor materializes. Uh, comes out of his TARDIS straight into a room full of soldiers that are absolutely armed to the teeth. Yeah, they're just like on a break. Grab their guns and uh, point point them at him, don't they, until there's a scream. And he's like, right, some defence plant plant delta. Delta. And he just runs off and they'll follow him without question. One of the, perhaps one of the first times in this new series that we actually see the Doctor take control for absolutely no apparent reason, but everybody just follows him anyway. I suppose if yeah. you don't know what you, what to do yourself, and this stranger seems to know what he's doing, I, I don't know. He's, he's obviously got an aura or something about him, hasn't he, that people seem to trust. I think it's something when he's... It, it's referenced more at the end of... but not, not the end of this episode, but the end of the next one. Yeah, right? yeah. When, when uh, he says, "Well, that's sort of my life. Is I make I'm I'm the I'm the authority, and I make the decisions because no one else will make the decisions." And you, know, you get it in subtle ways like this, and you get it in not so subtle ways at the end of the episodes. But yeah, it it works as well. I like it. It does. Yeah, it's it's a nice little. Plot and then device. he gives them more orders. Yes, uh, as they run and they find the the female medic uh, sort of on the floor, and he's like, "Quick, lock down the perimeter." Yeah, and it is also worth worth noting, to be fair, um, 
the doctor has worked for unit in the past so yeah d- defense I, defense plan delta for example might be a genuine command it, it might be that unit it might be they, they yeah. obviously seem to know what it means anyway, so yeah. uh, <laughs> they might just be assuming he's some sort of bigwig because he used that command, I suppose, mightn't they? Yeah, I guess. But um, it's worth noting as well, this scene with the, um, the pig where all the soldiers spread out, but then it turns out the alien, the alien slash pig is still in the room. Uh, yeah. This is the first scene Christopher Eccleston filmed as the Doctor. Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, you don't think that, because you don't always... Film stuff in all in the order you see it, do they? In so, fact, they re- uh, it's it, it's very rare for a movie or a TV show to film things in order. It's just uh, whatever order's more convenient for yeah, them. Yeah, for you know, for location and uh, cast and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the alien I think legs it, doesn't he? And he tries to tell the shooters, uh, the soldiers, not to shoot it, but of course somebody does. And the doctor is absolutely furious. He's like, what did you do that for? He was scared. He was scared. Yeah, the doctor... makes you feel... Sorry, it actually makes you feel um, sympathy for the the alien, doesn't it? Yeah. The doctor's so heartbroken. And uh, it clearly wasn't a danger to anybody. But that does seem to be everyone's natural reaction, especially when they've got a gun in their hand. Shoot first and... uh, Ask questions later. You yeah, still there? Um, you weren't very quiet. Yeah, I'm still, yeah, yeah, no, I was, just, <laughs> no I, was just let, I was just letting you get that point out. And yeah, I, I like it. I like it. it. Shows the Doctor cares for all, all living yeah, things as well, not thought, just yeah. uh, not just humans. So it's nice. And then uh, you get the explanation of the mermaid, which is a really cool thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't yes. know how accurate it is. Truthfully, I don't know if that's something Victorian showmen used to do. It's something I should have looked up. But, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's a believable story either way. So. It's not an actual. It's not an actual alien. It's uh, just something made up to look like an alien. Yeah. But as the female medic says, but this is like no technology I've ever seen on Earth. And they're like, so it's alien technology and aliens faking aliens. And uh, she says something to the doctor, but he's already walked off. To his next destination. So and you hear the uh, engines of the TARDIS. Yeah, there's obviously some sort of bigger plot here. Why would aliens fake an alien crash landing? It's uh, it's a very good, you know, very good, very clever storyline, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it is. It's a fun one. Uh, and then next you get uh, Mickey walks into Jackie and Rose's flat, I believe, yes, and then he... Uh, there's a big awkward silence where Rose yeah. comes see him and uh, and she apologises but then one of Jackie's friends says no I didn't mean you and then Jackie basically has to apologise to Mickey yeah because they've been blaming him uh, he's been Which... he was brought in for questioning five times five times which, which you know you probably would put in the finger at Mickey, but obviously yeah, he, he knows he's innocent, so obviously he's not going to be very happy. Say as well, it's a, probably it's a ruined his life for the last twelve months. His girlfriend's gone missing, and every not only has he lost the, the love of his life, he's uh, been blamed for it as well. Yeah, um, I mean it, it. It sort of skips a line of like, I like how it's left sort of ambiguous whether, like 
Mickey doesn't say anything. Is it partially to protect Rose or is it partially because no one would believe him anyway? Or is it a bit of both? Yeah, uh, like that. Um, Rose's treatment, by the way, to Mickey, as much as I say Rose is likable and she's a relatable character, Rose is horrible to Mickey. Yeah, she doesn't even go to see him, does she? Yeah. She's been gone 12 months and it's like she's not really giving him a second thought. So he's not. She can't really love. She can't really love him that much, can she? It's like fair enough if you don't want to be with the guy anymore. But like, have the decency to tell him that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't just don't just string him along. But it does become a plot point later yeah. on as well. So it's a, I'd call it. It's a it's a character flaw, not a storytelling flaw. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. It's a... No, I know what you mean. And we also uh, let me get that uh, high up gem Rob, and he's admonishing the, the PM for not doing anything and that's where he tells him you're in charge by default yeah and um, and then they all start in fairness it's, I'm not going to lie as far as all of the fart jokes go in this scene I think this is the funniest it ever gets because at least they go like they just go balls to the walls for it basically yeah, yeah. it's like if we're going to do it you might as well just make it as ridiculous as possible and then the general threatens to put the country under martial law. Yeah, yeah. I, by um, he quotes some uh, some sort of protocol, and I'll have to take control of the country and all that. And um, Mr. Green isn't having any of that, and he uh, we start to see him unzip his forehead, and all this blue light sort of comes out, but we don't actually see sort of an off-screen death and reveal, isn't it? We don't actually see what is going on completely we just know their yes. uh harriet jones just though for the record yes because she's still uh, hiding inside a cupboard and... she's hiding in the cupboard and she sees the whole thing yeah um yeah i like this scene i really like the unzipping say what you want about the aliens but i think the unzipping yeah no the unzipping's good and i like the fact they uh they do it off screen as well something's gonna be a bit more chilling when you don't actually see it happen because it's left to your your own imagination yeah i mean it's a a fun story about the unzipping as well actually the woman who plays margaret um said that kids used to follow around in shopping centers because they recognized her from doctor who and to get rid of them, she would pretend to reach up to her forehead as if she was going to unzip the air. <laughs> and, and they'd That's all run off scared. And I thought that was a sweet story. <laughs> but, but yeah, but Jackie's, um, she's convinced there's something going on with the doctor, isn't she? And she's she uh, she rings up this helpline. She sees on the news, I've, I've seen an alien. Well, we... We skip a thing there, so because the reason they do that is because uh, Rose storms out after Mickey says yes, that the doctor it, left yeah. her, and they all follow them, and then the TARDIS materializes right in front of Jackie, and Jackie ends up going inside of it, and uh, yeah, and then Mickey and Jackie, oh and yeah, yeah, she runs Doctor all inside the TARDIS which, for a bit, yeah, which you probably would to be fair, yeah, it's a believable reaction. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? <laughs> There's a good, that's a fun little bit actually where um, uh, Rose says something to the doctor like, um, oh, my mum's here. And the doctor says, oh, brilliant, just what I need. Don't make this place domestic. 
And then he comes in and goes, you ruined my life, Doctor. See what I mean? Domestic. <laughs> yeah, that, that is funny. It's, it's, fun it's, exchanges it's... between... I'd say I just want to go to the because I think it's a fun one. Um, Rick goes, do you even remember me? And he goes, of course I do, Ricky. And then he goes, it's Mickey. He goes, no, it's Ricky. Because I think <laughs> I know my own name. I think you know your own name. <laughs> and then Rose is just trying to play crowd control by telling them not to argue and not have a fight. And then she's running after Jackie. And Yeah. Sorry, I just really yeah. like that scene, so I didn't want to skim over it. No, you're, yes. No, fair enough. And um, it's just deadpan delivery that sort of makes it, isn't it? Uh, Chris Wilson just sort of deadpans it. Yeah, yeah. So, just so good. But yeah. yeah. And, this is when, and after that is when Jackie grasses on the doctor, basically. Yeah, and basically pulls, triggers um, some key words with Doctor and TARDIS, doesn't she? Or Blue Box and... Uh, it sort of goes into uh, number 10, doesn't it? Because uh... It's a code nine. And yeah. I didn't realise this until after, until watching it this time, but is it code nine because it's the ninth Doctor? And let's say if it was the tenth Doctor who had appeared in this timeline, would it have been a code ten? Yeah, could have been. Could have been. Or it might have just been a code thing they made up. Yeah, but I thought it was a curiosity either way. <laughs> But uh, yeah, now the uh, we get back to number ten, and the general is now clearly an alien. He's got his dis- his human disguise on, and that drops apart secretary- just in case you didn't. <laughs> yeah, just in case you weren't convinced already. The secretary comes in and tells him it's a code nine. They've they found the doctor and they need him because he's like a an expert on uh, eight things of aliens. Um, Matters and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, um, and they do it, and they send some. Um, they send some police after him. Yeah, and uh, when they take them, uh, they think they're being uh, arrested, but the doctor says, "No, we're not. We've been escorted." Yeah. <laughs> that big sort of smile on his face, hasn't he? And yeah, they are yes. in a nice little. Probably a, a you know a Mercedes or something like that, and they're being driven to number ten. And I like the bit where when he gets out of the car, he sort of waves cheekily at the cameras and the the news reporters. Sort of... Yeah, he waves to the press. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because of um, because of their it's worth, call, it's worth noting as well. Sorry, one thing we didn't just because it's a plot point later that comes up is. Um, the doctor works out through the TARDIS's radar that the alien ship did a slingshot and it came uh, so before it crash landed in the Big Ben it took off from Earth and came back yeah. which means the doctor knows the aliens have been here for a while they haven't just crash landed just yeah, a quick a good, point that was worth yeah that's a, good, that's a good point to bring up but yeah but because of a call uh, a cop comes round uh, to talk to Jackie and it just happened that he's quite a, a biggish chap who's uh, suffering with a bit of uh, flatulence. Yeah. So, so. Um, not quite adding up there, and he's come there to question Jackie about the doctor. Yeah, and then when they go back to Downing Street, it's uh, where that secretary guy who uh, is another one of these very likable characters. Uh, even though he, he is, yeah, that much, and which can only mean he has one fate. 
But <laughs> but he's well he's well played as well, you know. He's, yeah, another guy. He's um, not phoning it in. He's uh, you know putting in a good performance. Yeah, all of the and actors it, in this episode are pretty good, to be honest. To be fair, like particularly, I don't know. I think they all play their performance as well. Yes, they do. Um, anyway, the doctor and the other experts are ushered into a top secret room where they won't let uh, Rose or Harriet go with him, no matter. How much they try. Uh, yeah. And then Harriet offers to look after Yeah. Because Harriet yeah. wants to speak to the doctor because she, of course, knows yes. about the aliens. Right. And he walks exactly through where they're not meant to go. She goes, don't look back. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you have never actually realised that, but that's because they're sneaking off, isn't it? Yeah. But... <laughs> and then they get inside this room and the doctor starts to break everything down. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, sort of takes over the speech, doesn't he? And he says, he's like, it's not a diversion, it's a trap. Because what happens when something like that's happened? You bring everybody here. Yeah, if aliens fake an alien crash and alien something, what do they get? And they're like, oh shit, they get us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for fair play to the doctor, he figures it all out in like five minutes when he starts. Yeah, when he starts all of these together. experts have gathered to allow the doctor to just bounce ideas off them, basically. Hmm. Uh, we see uh, one of the aliens um, undress, and we see the actual alien for the first time. I'm not a big fan. I don't think it looks very realistic. Even back in them days, it, it doesn't look too terrific, to be honest. But it, it's see, good that they went for something different. See, yeah, and the opposite, I really quite like it. I really like the design of them. I like how they look kind of buggish. Uh, they look alien, frankly. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but that's, I like how they look really alien. I just don't think it's a very convincing costume or effects, whatever it is. For me, anyway. It, uh, it's a costume. I know that much. It took it, it took the stunt guys, like I think, three hours to get it all on or something. Like it's a, I know it's a costume. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then you get the great cheesy bit with um, Joseph Blaine. Thank you all for wearing your ID cards. They'll help to identify the bodies. Yeah, and they all get um, electrocuted. And before the show ends, we, we also go and see uh, Jackie in the cup. Now, when he takes his hat on, he has quite a big and obvious zip on his forehead, doesn't he? So none, of the others, none of the others have that. <laughs> Wears his hat all the time. <laughs> yeah, he must have to. Either that or just grow a fringe. So we now know for sure he's an alien and he's... Um... Yeah. It's quite to... a good uh, cliffhanger as well of uh, yeah. the doctors being electrocuted and all the experts being electrocuted. Jackie is being uh, stared down by this Sabine and Rose... Harriet and the secretary guy are all in trouble with this disease. And the secretary guy is, in fact, being held up and choked by uh, Mayor Morris. Yes, yes. So and that's where it well. so sort of, yeah, ends with uh, everybody in peril. As oh, you and they also a... find out that the Prime Minister is dead. They find his body in a cupboard. Did it, is that on this one? Or is, it, yes. or is that on the second one they find that? It is on this one. I thought it was in the second part, but maybe you're right. Yeah, it, uh, because uh, Rose is trying to find some alien technology to use, and uh, it's when she's looking through all of the cupboards that she opens one up, and the Prime Minister's body just falls out of it. And apparently, the uh, 
the dead prime minister was originally supposed to be Tony Blair, who was uh, the prime minister at the time. But they found a lookalike to play his body, and apparently they just weren't happy with how the lookalike looked. So they just went with generic. Yeah, prime probably the best way to do it. I think you are right. I must have just missed it out on me now to get a bit tired of writing after so long. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But yeah, but, what did you think of this episode? This first part of it? Yeah, I thought it was really good. It's a good setup. I like the I like the whole uh, plot and thread of aliens faking an alien investigation, um, alien invasion to cause mass panic and sort of get everybody they want out of the way in in one place. Yeah, and um, if it wasn't for the doctor, they have quite an effective way of uh, doing that as well. So it's uh, I would agree. Um... I do enjoy it, but I think you can also tell it is, it's mainly set up as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You can tell the crux of the episode is going to be the next one, which I guess we better jump straight into. So the second show and second part opens up um, with everybody on the floor getting electrocuted by their uh, ID cards. But uh, the Doctor reveals that... Uh, Deadly to humans, but not so much to me. And he's able to remove the ID card from around his neck and he shoves it into the uh, alien's collar, doesn't he? Yes, the doctor's alien physiology coming to the rescue. Exactly. And it seems to not just affect the alien that he's rammed the um, ID card onto, but it affects all of them, even the one in uh, Jackie's house. So save Jackie as well. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's ever actually talked about in this episode officially, but they have like a, a psychic link between them. I think yeah. so they can they can feel when the others in pain, and if it's something as severe as the, this electric shock, uh, they all suffer from it. Yes, um, the doctor runs out to um, alert the police, and as he's doing that, um, Joseph Green is able to remove the electric charge ID card from his uh, counterpart and uh, get them back to normal. And they need to hurry up and get disguised again. Yes, they do. They very, do. very quickly. And um, Mickey, run, Mickey runs in with a steel chair and saves Jackie as well. <laughs> he <laughs> just runs in and yeah. swats the Slovene on the back. And... Yeah. Uh, we also see Harry and Rose being chased by uh, Margaret in a Slovene state as well. Yeah, this very incompetent Slovene who really should be should have no problem catching it. At very least Harriet, who is old. Yeah, I mean all they do, <laughs> all they do is hide behind some curtains, and uh, she can't. Well, she's acting like she can't find them. She might actually know where they are, to be honest, and just playing with it like just uh, enjoy the these word, villains yeah. do. Go play um, with your food. <laughs> So anyway, the doctor runs back into the conference room for the police, but uh, the aliens are back in disguise and functioning you normally. See them, you see him like straightening up his suit as they walk yeah. in. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and then there's a great line where the doctor's like, I think you'll find the prime minister is an alien in disguise. And they're all just like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and he's like, that's never going to work, is it? And the police are just dead pants. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a great little exchange. Yeah, Chris Evergarden when we watch Nicky, he has a lot of these great little like sort of moments. 
he's good at it's like I think you said it earlier, he's mm. good at like deadpan, like deadpan comedy where it's, everything's just played straight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he legs it as you would do, and they all follow him, and it, just as it appears they've got him surrounded, he's uh, saved himself. He says you should when you surround someone, make sure you haven't got them up against the lift. One of the many times the doctor yeah. will talk his way out of a problem. <laughs> and he press opens the lift and uh, jumps in before they can uh, shoot him. Thankfully, and uh, the pri- so, but he's a but the, he's a wanted man now as well because yeah. he's blamed for the deaths of the alien experts. So, and the prime minister is telling them to shoot on sight, and you can sort of tell by the reaction, especially for the lead. Um, SWAT member, I'll call him. He, he does look a little bit uncomfortable with some of these orders, doesn't he? His, his facial expressions sort of tell you he's not quite sure. Yeah, and he's because he says we should, he actually says we should evacuate the entire building. And he does it there. Have you read yeah. the protocols? Well, no. Like, Don't question me. It's okay. <laughs> and then, See, um, up to you. Just as the just as Harriet and Rose look like they're in trouble. Uh, the doctor runs in with a fire extinguisher and um, saves them from uh, Savine Margaret. Yeah, there's quite a fun bit. I like where um, they're using their sense of smell to figure out where they all are and they can work out like yeah. they can smell, they can tell Harriet's old from her, just from her smell. Yeah, yeah. Tell Rose is quite young. <laughs> All those hormones. <laughs> and Harriet offers to sacrifice herself to save Rose. Yeah. Like, Take me first. <laughs> um, but yeah, when the others arrive, the doctor threatens to blow them up by triplicating the flammability of um, this uh, whiskey or brandy, whatever the alcohol is oh, he's got I think there. It is. And uh, starts asking them some questions. Um, the Savine isn't their race it's the, actually their surname and they're a family business and they're not which is sort of, neat yeah it's a nice little um, swing on the normal what well, is there for dom- world domination and what not they're not, they're not there for that they're <laughs> what, there to, why would to we make invade a... this <laughs> why would <laughs> yeah. we invade this god forsaken rock <laughs> <laughs> they're there to make a profit out of Earth they yeah. want uh, to basically nuke it and then sell it off as profitable chunks of energy because there's kind a recession like a, in space. They're kind of like a comedy version of the uh, Martians from World War uh, from War of the Worlds. Yeah, uh, they uh, they want to they want a resource on Earth. They don't just necessarily want Earth itself. And then uh, I think the general realizes something. What did you say? Triplicate the. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Your device like... will triplicate the flammability. You're making it up. <laughs> oh well, worth a try. And then the uh, yeah hits. The... He, go, he goes to pass the port to Harriet, and then Harriet, because she has great manners, apparently, will pass it to the left first. <laughs> Fair <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, hits the security measures in the conference room and explains that it's uh, one of the safest rooms in the country because it's all kitted out for. Which, as much as I'm sure that's bollocks. Like I doubt the cabinet room actually has a like a button where you just press and it covers the walls in steel. It's kind of believable that some, yeah. in a sci-fi world something like that would exist. It is to be fair, and he says absolutely nobody 
it's getting in. And Rose says, well, how do we get out then? And the doctor's just like, ah. Like, he obviously didn't oh, think yeah. of that. <laughs> Which is quite funny. And um, Yeah, I like it. Jack, we, uh, back to Jackie and Mickey, and they slip through the police uh, to escape, and I think they escape to Mickey's flat uh, by the yes. looks of it. Yes, they do. Um, and Mickey's able to phone Rose thanks to the doctor upgrading Rose's phone uh, in the end of the world, which uh, I like as well because it's a again it's also a little continuity thing. The doctor did a thing in a previous episode and it carried over to the the, the current episode. Yeah, and Zavine um, uh, called the rest of their their family members in to converge at number 10. Yeah. And apparently Andrew them. Marr has been doing his research because he knows who all of these people are. Yes, <laughs> well, they would do, doesn't they? And they've all got like these daft titles, haven't they? Like chairman of of something insignificant. Yeah, one's like, is quite one's funny. chairman of the North Sea Voting Committee. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's like the first two have jobs like illegal government jobs like i think one of them is involved in the raf and things like that but then the last one is just some sort of group captain or something but they're still not people you'd really want in uh, this situation and uh, even andrew mars a bit flummoxed by uh what connects the the unimportance of these people and how they seem really unconnected um i think we see that at some point we see the uh secretary um, person who's now deceased, killed by the alien, bless him. Yes, uh, again, the nice guy adding stakes to Doctor Who, ensuring yeah. that you, you, you believe that the aliens could turn on you at any point, and not everybody's safe. Um, the doctor, well, as he taught the doctors, um, using that he's heard the name Harriet Jones before, but he can't quite work out where where he has or where he knows her from. But of course being a time traveller, it could it could well be for something that hasn't happened yet. So Yes. Well yeah, that's that's probably the, that is the gist of it, I think, isn't it? We do learn as the episode and series go on, um, who she is and how important she becomes. Yeah. Um and there's a bit where the talk <laughs> talks about launching a nuclear bomb. Yes. Downing Street. <laughs> Harry goes, you're a very violent young girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they bring up what becomes a central part of this episode where the United Nations have to pass a resolution for the UK to have access to nuclear weapons. Yeah, uh, That's a complete fabrication, just for the record. The United Nations don't have to give the UK permission to launch nuclear weapons. Well, it kind of makes sense to, uh, yeah. to, buy some, to buy time or they'd have just done it already wouldn't they yeah and, um, maybe the Stathene should have picked a country that didn't need to do that but never mind <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah they uh, they sort of do a press conference doesn't he when he sort of says we're at war and I plead with the UN to release those well, codes skipped over a bit quite a fun bit where um, the policeman tracks down Mickey and Jackie and Tries to uh, break into. The oh flat. yes, yes. Well, and I was just, I was just the, getting to that bit because um, it flows with where we were, and I was going to go yes, back to sorry. that. Yes. 
But um, the, then they have to try and work out where they they have to try and work out where they're from. Yes. So they can fight them, and it's a really fun bit. I like it. It creates it creates um, suspense and action and tension out yeah. of not much really. It's just Mickey and Jackie being stuck in a flat, and the Doctor Rose and Harry being stuck in a room. But they like, they they bounce information off the Doctor yeah. to help them narrow it down where they're from. And he just says literally anything, and so Rose, like, okay, they're green. So right now, is it down? Yeah, <laughs> they, they hunt like it's a ritual. Narrows it down. <laughs> the green narrows it down. <laughs> yeah. And then Harriet points out that that farts, if you pardon the word, as she says, uh, don't smell like farts. They smell like bad breath. And so that he did this calcium decay, and that lets them yeah. work out where they're from. Rexacorico fellipatorius, a word every like seven year old as I was at the time had much fun trying to pronounce. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've just said it there now. If I'm completely you not? honest, give it a go. Give it nope. a go. No, give it a go. Go on, do it. Do it. No. Do it. Rexic. Anyway, I love it. This Back is jumping ahead. So jumping ahead a couple of seasons, you find that Rexacorico fellipatorius has a sister planet called Clon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit more like it. <laughs> yeah, you can take Clon. But they uh, they find out vinegar is their big weakness. And yeah. uh, I think Mickey throws some vinegar. It just seems to melt it, doesn't it? When he, uh, yeah, when he gets the uh... Jackie and Mickey, the brilliant comedic foils. Uh, <laughs> just getting... They are. They really are, aren't they? Yeah, Jackie and Mickey, the comedic foils, just get this poor study and blows up all over them. <laughs> and also, you the doctor. You see the next scene. The doctor can't handle his drink because they do a toast to um, uh, you know, just because they all survived that. And yeah. the doctor and Harriet and Rose take a drink, and the doctor nearly chucks his bag up. <laughs> it's just really funny. He's probably not a drinker, you see. So it's uh, also, it might be disgusting to his race. You, you don't know what their it's likes true. and dislikes are. To be honest, it's port, and I'm not, I, would, I don't think I'd want to drink that either. I don't really like it. But... No, I don't think I've drunk a lot of port in my time, if I'm completely honest. Too fancy for me. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when they have the press conference. Because just yeah. before it happens, um, the general guy walks up and says, Sid Felthbarge passed me a day, so he was dead. Yeah, but because we were talking about the nuclear codes, I thought I'd jump straight yes. on to that and then Sorry. condense the rest. Uh, but <laughs> as we talked about earlier, but you just want to go your own way. So, uh... But anyway, um, he rings up Mickey, doesn't he? And um, he gets him to hack into... I think units files, doesn't he? Using the password Buffalo. Yeah, uh, in fact, technically not hacking because the doctor does know the password. Yes, true. They just true. access it. <laughs> Mickey doesn't um, technically break the law, just for, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> um, yeah, but whether he'd even be able to get into something like that from his home computer, I'm not too sure. But yeah, anyway, he does. And they find, they find there's a signal beaming into space, don't they? Yes, and the doctor's trying to listen to it. Uh, he also explains about the uh, the car that causing a compression field, um, so allowing them to fit into the the human bodies. Because Rose says, "Why not just disguise yourself as a prime minister?" And does as well. He's he's too small. That's why they're all in. You know, disguised as bigger people. Very true. Yeah, and um, so that's a. Uh, then they go on to discuss how the doctors had a plan to deal with this all along, but it 
could kill Rose. So yes, he says there is a way, but uh, it could kill Rose, and it puts him in a you know one of many sort of moral dilemmas. Does he uh, potentially sacrifice his companion to to save the world, or does he save his companion and let the world be destroyed? It's uh, it's not a great choice, but there is only one choice to make, really. Yes, and I like I, I like how Harriet makes the choice. Yes, she, she um, takes control the of the situation, doesn't she? Yeah, she says, as the only elected representative in here, I, I'm telling you, do it. So, and it is as hard as it is, that is the right decision to make. To be honest, of course, yes, you can't. The, you can't, can't wait the lives of sacrifice billions of people, people for one person. Downing can't. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think Rose would be able to live with herself either, to be honest, in all fairness. Yeah. And Rose herself says just do it, to be fair. Yeah. Without hesitation. She just says, yeah, do it. And then Mickey as well, to be fair. It's a big thing for Mickey, because Mickey's the one who actually has to launch it and potentially kill his girlfriend. Yeah. And as the, so, doc- um, as the doctor says, Mickey the idiot, the world is in your hands. <laughs> Fire. And apparently the the code word buffalo. Uh, seems to unlock all the protocols and everything, doesn't override yeah, everything. It's, it's the uh, cheat code for the government, basically. <laughs> I should at least these days. I mean, there'd be at least a couple of capital letters and some numbers you'd have to put in that as well. Yeah, I can't even get into the character at the end as well. Can't even get into my own email with a password that simple. Don't <laughs> get me started on passwords. But... <laughs> yeah. And so they launch the missile. Rose figures out a way they can all survive by jumping inside of Yeah. Them. He also, he does give the Savine a chance to leave, doesn't he, before? Oh, but, yes. Um, he, always do, yeah. Yeah. he always does that. And uh, obviously they, they laugh at him, thinking they're in control of the situation. I also love their reaction to the phone when they go into the PM's office. Yeah. And Margaret's like, it's actually red! And she starts <laughs> stroking it and and everything that's really funny how long till they phone yeah and he's like joseph green's like ring damn it yes <laughs> ring damn you quite funny but yeah, we yeah. do see on news reports and that as well <laughs> you you're this? skipping ahead now with your detonating the uh missile because we also get that woman on the news at trinity uh, and um she says yes they have decided to release the codes. So we do know we're in mortal danger. They have been given the nuclear codes. And just for the record, this missile they launched from a submarine just out in the the, uh, the British uh, British Ocean, or whatever you call it, um, it's not nuclear, but it doesn't need to be. Just a, a normal missile will suffice. Yes, Um I am curious about the ease of which you could you could just fire a missile at Downing Street. But never mind. Well, they use, <laughs> you know, it's unit and they use Buffalo, uh, a password, as I say, that leaves at least a few numbers and a, yeah, a, a character. It's like, it's like a cheap code. It's like up, up, down, down, <laughs> left, right, left, right, AP start. <laughs> but yeah, it's got a very, uh, very good guidance, guidance yeah. on it, because a lot of these missiles, he, they do tend to miss their targets more often than not. Yeah. And I mean, as much as... Um, I just wanted to ask as well, since they're, they're just about to all be blown up, less than the Slovene. Actually, there's a great bit where um, 
that the guy who's in charge, the Welsh sergeant, he's never named, but he's uh, he goes, what do you mean incoming? And then he shows them a tracking where there's a missile. Yeah. And he evacuates and he runs up to the Prime Minister's office. So there's a missile. And then sees them all stood there. And he's, yeah, oh, he's sorry. like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, and just runs back away. Quite funny. <laughs> and then you see them all trying to get uh, their disguises back on. Yeah, and, yeah. And because uh, they're rushing, they... they and they're arguing over that's my disguise. But yeah, they 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 don't make it out in time and number ten gets hit and is blown <laughs> to kingdom come. It's, oh bod <laughs> <laughs> Since that's the uh, the end of the Slovene, I'm curious as to um you said you, you didn't like the you didn't like the design. And of course, the farting part you weren't fond of either, which is fair enough. I'm not. I'm not going to defend not, that. It's not the design. It's it's just the actual costume, I suppose, budget-wise, um, limitations of 15 years ago. But it, it just didn't look very convincing. Fair, but I was curious. Uh, one thing, but, you, you know, you were a lot younger than me, so you'll um, see. You're, you, you know, you were watching, you've got that nostalgia from watching it through child's eyes where it probably yeah. looked a lot more convincing to uh, someone of your That's age. Fair. But as a 25-year-old, okay. it, it, it looked pretty horrendous, to be honest. But I was curious, did you like their, um, did you like their sort of characterizations and their writings? I think from talking to you, you seem to enjoy that. Like the, the yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, there. you know, the actual, the whole of the episode I enjoy... The, the plot of aliens faking an alien inv- invasion, the fact that they don't want to take over the world, they just want to melt it down and sell it off a profit, which is a good spin on the normal tropes they, they use for these. Uh, the writing's good, characters are well acted, it's funny. As, as we were saying before, the performance of uh, Joseph Green's brilliant is spot on, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I've said again, cheesy, but in all the right ways, yeah. very funny. You've got to do it slightly tongue, you know, you know it's ridiculous, so there's no yeah, harm in doing course. it. You got, you, no, don't do, don't do, don't half-arse things, you know, if you're going to be ridiculous, just go for it. I mean, you can overdo the tongue-in-cheek, but the, uh, Russell D. T. Davis and his writers, they seem, they seem to get it, you know, spot on, don't they? And even then, to be fair, I'd rather it was overdone than underdone. Yeah. <laughs> But it's of course it's also revealed that the Doctor Rose and Harry have managed to survive because they hid in a cupboard, mm. uh, which Rose justifies as because it's small, it's strong, and as much as I'm not sure that's exactly how that would work, I do at least like how it's Rose who works that out and yeah. she, she figures it out. And at least they do try to give a reason for them surviving as well. I mean, yeah, I'm not. It, I'm not a structural expert, so I can't really say if it if it would or wouldn't. But they but, do tell you to do that during earthquakes and um, in you know the bomb raids in the during the Second World War. People were advised to hide under stairs. Of course, you were around. And, and you were stuff around. like that. Yeah, yeah. I was in. Uh, you remember it fondly. I was in my early twenties. Well, maybe not fondly. But. I was in my early twenties back then. <laughs> Sorry, man. Get. <laughs> but yeah, they survive it and hooray! You know, the world is saved, basically. But it's nice. Yeah. Um, 
someone quips, I can't remember which character it is, that they don't have a prime minister, and the doctor suggests, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going, the doctor suggests to Harriet, why don't you do it? And then he realises yes. why he remembers her. Three terms as prime minister, the start of your golden age. But she won't have three terms as prime minister, as we'll find out in the uh, yes, the next time we see Harriet Jones. But for now, we bid farewell to Harriet Jones, uh, a good yes. character. Well <clears throat> written. Um, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong as well, but I don't think it's often you see someone who's a bit older on these adventures with the Doctor and Rose as well. You know what I mean? They're generally a little bit on like on the younger side. I mean, I know Charles Dickens was, but I feel like he's an exception because he's a you know, he's a, well, he's a historic figure. You don't, uh, well, you, you don't travel in the TARDIS, but I think as supporting characters, uh, you do a bit. So. <clears throat> I also quite like the idea that um, she's a historical figure. She's just a historical figure who we haven't caught up to yet. Yeah, well, a historical figure in their fictional world anyway. Well, yes, they, of course. But, <clears throat> but yeah, I like that idea of it. It does, it does work well. It's cool. And obviously now Rose is umming and ahhing about travelling with the Doctor because of how upset her, her mum was and everything. Jackie offers to uh, cook for the Doctor. She offers to give him a drink of Alaretto, which I love. Mm. Alaretto's my favourite mm. drink. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah. And it's a phone call where the Doctor's ultimately quite mean, but I think it shows his alienness as well. Where, yeah. Uh, he's like... She's like... Uh, it's just dinner, and then like the doctor's like, well, that's not my problem, ultimately. Which is mean, but like you said, it's, I think it's part of that thing of the doctor isn't human. You know what I mean? So yeah, he doesn't necessarily he, have he the sort tad, of like... He is a tad self-centred, isn't he? he wants, he's lonely, he wants a companion, so he's determined <laughs> to convince Rose to go with him, isn't he? Especially when you consider that he's a time traveller as well. So he literally has all of the time in the universe to do whatever he wants to do, but he's still just like, nah. I just oh, want to yeah. go and do it. So he rings a mobile from his TARDIS phone, doesn't he? What? You have a phone? <laughs> and he starts talking yeah. about some sort of nebula going to explode or something, and they can sort of ride out on the crest of its wave or something in space. Something that sounds whimsical and fun, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so she decides she's. So she decides she is going to go travelling with him. So she goes back to pack her bags, doesn't she, where Jackie uh, sort of catches her, doesn't she, packing her bags and whatnot, getting ready to leave. Yes, and um, I like how it's, uh, well, I, I say it's a realistic problem. Obviously, it's not realistic. No one, you know, that that you would say goodbye to a child because they're going on time-traveling adventures. But, it, you know, parents and, you know, parents having to say goodbye to their kids because their kids want to move out, that is a very real, you know, uh, moment and it's I guess that you know it is difficult for parents yeah. to sort of come terms with that, but yeah. you know they just sort of have to deal with it and I I like that sort of incorporation of, of a real of a real life thing as well like, especially that she's going to go gallivanting with somebody no none of them really know let's be honest yeah they might and have met him a couple of times now but you know they don't really know <laughs> they don't really know who he is yeah and, and, Jack, like, and Jackie, Jackie's concerns are all very realistic as yeah, well. Like, what, are, happens yeah. one day, what happens if Doctor one day you die and she just can't get back? Yeah, which we see almost does happen a couple of times as we as we'll examine going forward. But it, it, it's a never very know. problem. 
She'll never know what happened to her daughter, which is one of the worst things to happen to a parent. Absolutely. And having already gone through it once, she doesn't mm, do it again. Exactly. But we also uh, see Bucky sitting on a bin reading a newspaper. Yeah. And we also see uh, a lad uh, washing off the graffiti off the oh, TARDIS. Yes. And the doctor's like, good lad, don't do that again. <laughs> graffiti that again and I'll have you. That's it, yeah. Um, the kid runs off, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's mentioned again in one of these episodes, isn't it? But he's an alien, but, he's, yeah, but he speaks with a northern, he, but he speaks with a northern accent. And Rose like, lots of lots of planets have a north. <laughs> same thing he said to. Him. It's good, but the doctor gives a funny little virus. exchange. The doctor gives Mickey a virus to get rid of uh, every mention of him online. Yes. So no one follows him or looks for him, which. I guess it's 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 nice. It's yeah. like Doctor at least appreciates that part of it, and he's like, "Yeah, people probably shouldn't be looking for me." So, and he offers Mickey a place on the TARDIS, and Mickey yeah, declines. He declines it, doesn't he? Yeah. And this is what I was sort of earlier was I like Mickey's character arc in these episodes of how each time you see him, he gets slightly more braver and braver and braver. Yeah, he grows. He doesn't he doesn't stay as the comic relief buffoon, although he still does have comedic moments. His character yeah. does grow and develop. Yeah. I've realised um, sort of again when you, when you're watching them, it sounds stupid. I'm not going to pretend I have a proper analytical eye of like um, of like movies and TV shows and things. But I think when you when you watch something and take notes as opposed to just watching it in the background, you start you start to realise like little things like like Mickey's character arc and you realise like, yeah. yeah, character arcs a lot of fun in these shows. I think you see more as well. I don't know how often you've repeated viewing, but you're not probably necessarily going to pick as much up when you're eight, if that's how old you were when you're watching it. So oh, there are I've, things I've, you notice. There are things I've you notice more. I've multiple are, times over the years. I was obsessed with Doctor Who when I was yeah. younger. Like that, I mean, but. you do notice things more with repeat watching and as your intelligence grows, as you grow older as well. So... Um, there's quite a lot of programs and films I've watched hundreds of times, and you, you, it's amazing how many little different things you do pick up on rewatches. Yeah. But I'm really excited about the next episode. It's probably, yes. if not, it's one of the best, if not the best episode of the series. So uh, I think we're going to have a, a lot of fun talking that not- one. Not just arguably the best season one story, but there's a fair argument that it's the best Doctor Who story yeah, they've done. Definitely. Uh, then, uh, based off a Big Finish audiobook as well. It, uh, based off probably isn't fair because it, it's not. It's not a. It's not just an adaptation. It changes quite a lot. But inspired by. Is yeah, better. that's probably the best way to uh, to say it. And that episode is Dalek, and it's not just great because it's the first. New uh, new episode that features a Dalek. There's a lot of the, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of story in it, which we'll get into when uh, we do the review. So absolutely, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. So I'll uh, end my little by saying you can find us at Rogue underscore Opinion at Twitter and Instagram. Nice and simple. It's the same handle and the same with me. It's Carlos underscore fire 89 at uh, twitter and instagram as well very nice yeah you can f- just follow rogue opinions um, um yeah do you want uh, we'll, to plug we'll, your your up and coming pub sean yes at at some 
point, <laughs> I will be doing a podcast. Uh, I'm not too sure who's going to be on it yet, but uh, uh, I will be doing an Avengers review, like all of the Marvel films. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that sometime. Starting with Iron Man and working your way through in the chronological order, is it? Or the order they were released? Uh, in release. In release. We did yeah. discuss it, but if you do... um. If you do timeline order, it's not that much different, really. You would just do Captain America first, then Captain Marvel. Yeah. And then it would all just be in release order anyway, with a couple of exceptions here or there. But it, it, you would be messing around with like having to explain plot details and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I would say. But yeah. no real gain. So it's not really worth doing it like that. Yeah. But We also have um, Opinions are Strange, Before the Storm. Uh the first two episodes of that is up. Me and Nathan will probably be recording episode three and the final episode, apart from the bonus episode, uh, this, even, this evening, which is Monday evening. So that should be up within a, the next couple of days. We've got football pods, uh, a great podcast um, reviewing San Diego Comic Con and all the brilliant sci-fi things going on, especially announcements by Disney and Marvel of a Blade film and a Winter Soldier and um, New Doctor Strange Hawkeye, yeah Hawkeye cutting me off, a Hawkeye and Winter Soldier series, uh, Loki series was announced as well I think, that could be fun yeah, so, yeah they've got a lot, they've got a lot going on haven't they, so it's all quite exciting and so there we have it. Right off into the, we'll yeah, dematerialize we'll, into the time vortex. We'll go, back and, we'll go back into the TARDIS <laughs> and head, I think it's into the future where Dalek takes place. Wow, well, uh, we'll it, be back it, with more. It's well, 2012. It might not be the, it might so, not be the future anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thinking it, about it. <laughs> Dalek, Dalek said in 2012, so it was the future when it happened. But it's, yeah, but it's uh, not the long since. Past. It's weird. It's weird when that happens, isn't it? When but they watch the series that's based in the it's based in the future when you watched it originally, but it's a few years in the past on rewatch. Well, aren't, the, aren't the Terminator films like that where they're they're all set in yeah. the dystopian future of the year 2000? <laughs> um, it's amazing how 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 far and how little we've progressed in some respect to, to the technology that they were expecting us to have by about and on that happy note <laughs> we often say goodbye we shall goodbye yeah!